This episode of the Screen Tripper podcast was first broadcast on January the 20th, 2017. Hello and welcome to the second episode of Screen Tripper, the film and TV podcast from Culture Trip. I am Kasam Luch and joining me today I will have M. Night Shyamalan, Anya Taylor-Joy, Naomi from Culture Trip as well as India and Simon who are also editors of the site and they will be talking about everything to do with film and TV. First of all though, let's start with the director of Split, M. Night Shyamalan, who's also responsible for films such as Sixth Sense, Fantastic Unbreakable, and he was joined in the studio by Anya Taylor-Joy, the star of Split. So guys, Split, um, I want to start with you, Knight. Um, Amazing transformation that James McAvoy goes through the film. I mean, were you ever worried that you would find an actor who could do that? Because he doesn't rely on affectations such as wigs or anything like that. No, I mean... I guess it was, you know, um, you, when you make a film, I think you just have to have blind faith that that um, the universe, is going, it's all going to work out. Because if you start to think about all the things that are involved to make an, a, a, a movie work, an amazing movie happen, it's it's impossible. You, things just, There's no logic involved. You write this part and you pray that there's someone that can do this. And literally, Jamie McAvoy steps up in front of me at, a, at an event right when I'm finishing the script. And I'm like, this is the guy. This is the guy, and uh, in retrospect, I'm not sure if there's if I could count on one hand uh, enough that people that could play the part, let alone do what he did. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and Anya, what was it like for you acting opposite that? Because I mean, were there times when you were you know just impressed by the way he went about those transformations? Oh, consistently. But I mean, he's an incredible actor. Being able to be that close to him is kind of like a acting masterclass in mm-hmm. a way. You know, he's got great craft. But um, yeah, no, his performance is absolutely incredible. Mm-hmm. What I really like about your character is that there is an inner strength there, though. She's not just a kind of, you know, just taking what's happening to her in her, you know, as if it's something that she's uh, going to accept as a victim. Um, what was the qualities that you kind of uh, found attractive about her? I mean, she's so smart. You know, Knight's written an incredibly intelligent introvert, and she has this really deep inner world that I think she's built because of her external circumstances being so harsh. Um, I love that she was super quiet. That's not something that I really am. And so I I relish that opportunity and the challenge of how much could I convey to the audience without speaking and just with my face. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. I spoke to you um, before at the London Film Festival, just before Mm -hmm. you went off to make this film. And you you gave some clues, but you said you couldn't say much about it. So was it hard to keep the secrets around the film on your part? Um. I guess you imbue it with so much love that it's kind of like you're keeping the secrets out of love. You're keeping the secrets because you want people to go and see the movie and have the same experience that you would have, you know, and so you're protecting the moviegoer's experience. So, no, not really. You remember this coat? Did he wear this coat last No, time? I wish he had. It's brilliant. <laughs> you won't forget it next time. I will never, I will never <laughs> no, forget it. No. I'll have to wear it every time I speak to you guys. Uh, and, like, for you, when did this story come to you? I mean, how early in, in your career? Is this something that you've been uh, kind of brewing away in your mind for a while? Uh, actually, you're correct. Yeah, this is the longest gestation to making of a, uh, an idea. I, this character I wrote about 15, 16 years ago, and a bunch of the scenes were written 15, 16 years ago. Um, I should get you a copy of like the handwritten. I would scenes, love that uh, of the stuff you did that that from like six. I years would ago. love that. That's really cool. Um, so it was, you know, I think you know, I, I was making kind of dark thrillers, and then I started making family films as I had kids, and then now the kids are grown up and um, making darker stuff again. And I felt like this was just the type of movie I wanted to make, and this character started to excite me again. Um, so it was fun. It was fun to, to to kind of bring a new point of view to this character that I thought of before. Mm-hmm. Now I'm not going to spoil the ending. I'm, I'm hopefully no one will do that. But you. Have, did you always have that in mind? The way you were going to take it and the direction you were going to go in? 
Yes, you know the the premise of the of the of the storytelling. What I can tell you is that it was meant to be. Can you can you have an ending where you, where where you watching a movie the entire movie thinking you're watching one genre and the last moment it clicks over into a whole nother genre and as you're realizing what's happening is the, and that's the kind of the uh, was the thing that excited me. Mm-hmm. Do you still feel the pressure to come up with those kind of endings that challenge the audience? No, I don't. You know, again, I don't think of it as as a as a magic trick. Like here's the here's the parrot that here it is everyone <laughs> it's not it, that's not what I'm doing I, I love that it's a parrot yeah is that right is it a parrot it's do they a dove. take do magic do the magicians doves. take doves. magic doves, doves yeah <laughs> but that's why you thought it was a dove see but you fooled me you, again. there you go yeah, it's a parrot you know? <laughs> no it's it's all suspense is always about lack you know keeping information from the audience why am I in this room why is that happening what is that noise all that stuff and as the character starts to get information the audience gets information and then there's a moment where you, you get a lot of information um, and then it, you know that, that's story structure when does that moment happen what is it the information I love thinking about what movies I'm making but what is the structure of those movies excellent well thank you very much guys it's been a pleasure thank you Cheers. and thank you for the code <laughs> So joining me in the Screen Tripper studio is Simon Lesser. Hello, Simon. Hi, Kassam. How are you feeling about doing the podcast? I'm very happy. Thanks for dragging me down here. It's a lovely yeah, you, place. You like the setup that we've got here? Yeah, I love your closet, man. But we're going to talk about some of the films and TVs based on books. Um, which one do you want to start with? Uh, let's take a look at some of the TV shows. I know you've seen one recently, the adaptation of Lemony Snicket, um, which I think is an amazing film. I was surprised to hear you say you don't think it's a great film. What exactly is your problem with the original? Well, the adaptation this time is a TV series, but the film that came out a few years ago, I think, um, I actually don't really remember it that well. I just thought it was too fast, and it think, I think it mixed like three books together into one to one film. It didn't really make much sense. However, the new TV series, I think produced by Neil Patrick Harris, uh, is quite fantastic. It takes a slower pace, turned the first book into two episodes, I think, um, is kind of as surreal and weird and a bit funny as the books, and I, I really enjoyed it. enjoyed it. As you mentioned, Neil Patrick Harris stars in it, in a role that was made famous by Jim Carrey. I thought that was his best performance ever, and I love some of his other films. I love well, Eternal Sunshine. Not much, though. Uh, listen, what film has he done that's better? Uh, what performance has he done that's better than that? Because he adopts a number of characters as Count Olaf. Well, didn't he play a clown with a green face at some point? That was quite good. Mm, I'm not sure. I, I, I mean, you think Mask was a better performance? Mask, that's the one. Mask was a fantastic performance. That's what made him. It was the role. That, well, no, I'd say Ace Ventura made him. But uh, yeah, fair enough. Mask, he had a great run. So he was also in Dumb and Dumber, which is my favorite comedy of all time. So, uh, but yeah, no, I just thought his performance in Unfortunate Events was fantastic. So tell me, why does Neil Patrick Harris uh, steal the show in this one? Um, well, actually, I don't think he steals the show. It's, it's, I would say it's Patrick Warburton, who actually plays Lemony Snicket and is around uh, as a sort of narrator in and out of scenes, so no other character recognizes him, but he's sort of there in the background. In the first episode, for example, on uh, the first scene, I think, when they're on the beach, he's back there in a swimsuit, looking around, giving snarky comments about everything, and he's just sort of fantastic that way. And he's so Patrick Warburton is the one who, for example, voices Joe Swanson in Family Guy. And American audiences, American listeners will know him as being as having done a number of commercials, I think, for insurance companies or something. So he has a deep voice and is sort of like all-American looking guy. And he's just fantastic as the narrator. Um, the narrator was actually played by Jude Law in the film. 
Was he? I don't remember that at all. Yeah. It's weird, but Jude Law. Jude Law, he's doing a very convincing... Uh, I can't remember, actually, does he have an American accent in it? I cannot remember, but um, he was very good in it. Uh, he was completely... What's American accent like? It's uh, mixed, let's say <laughs> that, shall we? Uh, oh, uh, you've seen The Young Pope. What do you think his accent is in like that? in that? Uh, well, actually, I thought it was quite good. Never mind. Forget the stocky comment. No, yeah. no. It probably would have been good as well. But, I mean, Jude Law, so he doesn't have the same kind of presence as Patrick Warburton, I would say. Because he's like, I mean, typical, I guess, insurance salesman guy. Very solid, very secure guy. And I don't know, you, as a narrator, he's fantastic. I just remembered that you may also recognize him from uh, Ted. He plays a car rental salesman in that film. Salesman, there we go. That's That's the guy. Um, but Neil Patrick Harris, basically his 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 Count Olaf, I would say, is is, yeah. I mean, it, it's quite good, but it's it's typical Harris. So he's at some point he sings. He's very sort of uh, uncontrolled and, and and wild in a way, and and it's quite good. But I mean, it's it's nowhere near as great as as that narrator. <laughs> okay, so let me think. It is out on Netflix right now. Um, you've taken a look at TV shows as well as films that are being adapted from the page. I uh, guess the great thing this year is more than the movies. There's a number of great TV shows potentially coming out. Um, so Z also just started. It's about Zelda Fitzgerald. Um, it's actually adapted from a novel by one Therese Ann Fowler, a bestseller for the New York Times a number of years ago, so just historical fiction on the Fitzgeralds. Um, I've watched the first episode as a period piece. It looks fantastic. Uh, Christina Ritchie as Zelda Fitzgerald is quite, quite, I mean, a good fit, actually very well cast. However, I would say that the writing itself isn't quite there yet, which is weird for a series on on the Fitzgeralds, but the dialogue just isn't as real as you'd hope it'd be. Shame, but I am looking forward to that one. Uh, The one I'm really looking forward to is American Gods. That's been planned for a while. It's been in production for ages. It's coming out on Amazon, that one. So what do you think about that? Um, Well, I can't wait to see. I mean, American Gods is... So it's a novel. It's based on a novel by Neil Gaiman that came out, I think, more than 10 years ago now. And it's all about a fight between the old gods and the new. And those gods basically get their power from uh, people believing in them. So the new gods are things usually based around technology. So I'm not sure social media had had one, but it basically was something like celebrity was a god, something like that. Whereas the old gods, uh, and Ian McShane actually plays Odin, are really the old sort of polytheistic ones. And it's all about this fight in modern America, and it's very sort of dark, weird, like that, gritty, and it, and it could potentially be fantastic. So give, give us some more of the highlights. Just, just run through some of the TV shows that you think may or, you know, may not work on the, on the screen. Well, the, the, the big one, I'm not sure it's going to come out um, this year. If it comes out, it'll be at the very end, but would be His Dark Materials. So they're adapting Philip Pullman's um, series of novels. Um, they already did a movie a few years ago, which wasn't that great, even though I thought it, it looked... And uh, and was actually well again with it has the same problem as this year's unfortunate events movie, in that it was to put it all in one movie is silly, and it goes too fast and it gets a little out of hand. But um, the BBC is doing it. Um, okay, all right. So that's TV shows. Um, I think the format itself is going to be really interesting because there's so many TV shows coming out based uh, just long series. It maybe gives them more opportunity to explore books in full. Uh, which brings us on to films, which have always had a mixed history on screen. Um, the adaptations, anyway. I want to I want to focus on one to start off with, mm-hmm. which is The Dark Tower, which is one that's been delayed now slightly, still coming out this year at the moment, starring Idris Elba um, and Matthew McConaughey. So, 
I mean, can you tell us a bit about the book and how you think it will translate to the screen? So it's uh, well, it's not basically it's not actually going to be based on the book. So the way it's been presented is it's going to be a sequel on the series of novels by Stephen King, and it's basically based in this world called sort of a fractured parallel universe in, in which time doesn't flow correctly. It's a bit weird. There's elements of the past, the future. There's magic, but it's kind of like the old American West. And it's about this gunslinger who goes on this epic journey for seven novels up、uh, to this dark tower, which apparently sort of is the nexus of the world. And it's it's a very sort of magical, surreal. Um, adventure. Now, this movie though is supposed to be the sequel out of that, and quite frankly, I don't know what that could mean.、Uh, yeah, that would be an interesting one to see. Go on, Simon. A couple more highlights from you before we go.、Um, well, I think the big sci-fi adaptation this year will be, besides the Dark Tower, though I think it could potentially be bigger, will be the Circle,、um, so which will star Emma Watson, Tom Hanks, and John Boyega. It's actually based on a Dave Eggers novel that came out a few years ago, and it's a really a dystopian.、Uh, it's, it's, on, it's in a dystopian world. Okay, so、uh, this one it sounds a bit Cloud Atlasy. Have you seen that, the <laughs> film? <laughs> Why are you laughing? It does not sound Cloud Atlasy at all.、Um, basically, no. So the, the, the thing about the dystopian society is that it's really all about technology. So there's this. Company called the Circle, and the movie is called the Circle. I don't know if I mentioned that. Is it called the Circle? Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's basically about this company that more or less creates, keeps on creating technology to invade privacy to the point where to do such things as get insurance and whatever you have to wear cameras. And the end of it is, I mean, I think it ends one way or another with the founder of that company. Saying that the world is going to become a totalitarian state. Okay.、Uh, well, we look forward to that, and、uh, I guess that's it. Unless there's anything else you want to add before you go, Simon, because I have to kick you out of the studio and get in some other people. No, I'm fine. It's been I've had a lovely time, Kassam. Thank you very much. Can't wait to hear this. This is going to be amazing. Okay. Thank you very much, Simon Lesser, the literature editor here at Culture Trip, based in London. Thank you very much, Simon. <laughs> Right, so joining me first is India Doyle, who's going to talk about La La Land, and、uh, I wrote a piece about it, which you've read, and、uh, apparently you've taken umbrage. <laughs> so why don't you tell me what you disagree with in my article? I take umbrage first with the fact that you stole my umbrage and up- <laughs> umbraged me, but secondly,、uh, yeah, you basically said that at the end, there's this kind of dream sequence looking back, and you say that that's unnecessary. So I mean, to me, the dream sequences are kind of like the entire point of the film because, firstly, they kind of bring home that that even though he's looking back on like this very um, uh, golden days of Hollywood, actually, the reality of the dream sequences in La La Land is that they're kind of like a bit, they're a bit awkward and they're a bit fumbled and it kind of they're unreal and it just shows that fantasy isn't actually achievable in real life, which I think is like the theme of the film and also why. That like what if sequence is really possible.、Um, also, they're fun and the aesthetic of them is amazing. It's very like modernist Edward Hopper kind of like bright colors and.、Um Yeah, I mean, I don't think you could have had like a musical without the dream sequences because it would have been just、um, weird. Did you figure out the significance of the color yellow at all?、Um, no, I didn't. But I think it just kind of feeds into that sunny Californian.、Uh, yeah, that kind of like I don't know David Hockney like swimming by the pool, bright yellow vibe of like breezy California.
Okay, well, you did enjoy the film, though. I, I enjoyed it as well. So I think you've been singing the uh, soundtrack quite a lot in the opening. Day of Stars. Yeah. Can you do that again, <laughs> no, please? <laughs> Can't believe you sang on air. That's amazing. Thank you very much, India. Now we're going to speak to Naomi, who has seen Manchester by the Sea, the other big film, one of the leading contenders for the awards. Um, I want to talk to you about the performances. Michelle Williams and uh, Casey Affleck starring this film. What do you think of the performances? I mean, I thought they were excellent. It's funny because last night I was watching Goodwill Hunting and you see Casey Affleck in there and it's obviously an entirely different character, but another stereotypical Massachusetts character, I suppose. Um, but yeah, to see his evolution is really quite amazing. I mean, is there a Massachusetts vibe? When I spoke to the director, Kenneth Lonergan, about it, he said it was essential that the film was set there because it kind of captures the people there and, and the whole story fits very well in there. Can you give us a bit of insight on that? Yeah, I mean, I think that's actually what drew me in a bit more personally, I suppose, because I've spent a lot of time in Massachusetts and it's kind of that like grit um, meets sort of down to earth vibe. And you kind of feel like everyone's a little bit tortured in a way. Um, And that obviously came across really well in the film um, and kind of made it what it is. Mm-hmm. There's, I mean, the relationship that Michelle Williams and Casey Affleck have on screen, I thought was really good and it felt very real as well. Um, is that something that worked for you in the film? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think at first, um, not knowing what was going to happen at the beginning of the film, um, that that sort of, yeah, it's quite raw. He was obviously, you know, looking back on his time with her, that was a period of time when he was really happy. And um, yeah, it, it was, there was definitely a connection there. Um, and then, of course, filled with all the swearing and cursing that really typifies, you know, Massachusetts. Um, I'm actually quite pleased they didn't throw a wicket in there because that would have, uh, I think pushed it over the edge as far as you know um stereotypical massachusetts um lingo but yeah it was good okay so i had one issue with the film which uh, was the music i thought it was overbearing in some sequences especially in one of the flashback sequences which i can't spoil but it plays throughout the whole of that sequence um was it too much for you or did it work um for me it worked i mean i went to see the film by myself i felt really immersed in it um you know sometimes i find that it can be overbearing, but I think I think it worked. I mean, I think for Manchester by the Sea, what was kind of interesting was that you sort of expected there to be that sense of redemption at the end um, without kind of spoiling anything. And that didn't necessarily come. Um, you don't totally get that, but that's okay. Um, I think it's good that they didn't go necessarily where you thought they would have gone. Um, and for me, the music wasn't overbearing. I mean, it was a very powerful, emotional movie that still had kind of grit and obviously those heartwarming funny moments too excellent well thank you very much so manchester by the sea is out now so is la la land uh i just final question are you both going to go and watch the other film so naomi are you going to go and watch la la land absolutely india you're going to watch manchester by the sea absolutely (laughs) i I take umbrage with you not taking this podcast seriously (laughs) but there you go thank you very much india and naomi And that's it. This has been the second episode of Screen Tripper. Make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes and you can also find out more about the films that we've been talking about on culturetrip.com. We've got some great features and articles talking about La La Land, Manchester by the Sea and of course Split, which is the big film out this week. See you next week. <laughs>